this is a story from a book titled The Rose. Lieutenant Blanford, a military pilot, checked out a book from the city library titled Of Human Bondage. Throughout the book were notes in a woman's writing, and he has always hated that writing in habit. But these remarks were different. He had never believed that a woman could see into a man's heart so tenderly, so understandingly. Her name on the book plate was Hollis Maynell. He found her address from Yellow Pages. By the way, if you were to do that now, it'll be a little bit shady. <laughs> but he did. And he had written a letter to her, and she had answered. Later on, he had been sent out to war, but they had gone on writing. They both felt the love as they wrote to each other. He had asked her for her picture, but she refused. And she said, if you truly love me, what I'd look like shouldn't matter. Thirteen months passed by, and the war was over, and it was their first time meeting at a train station in New York, where she lived. Since they didn't know each other's face, they had said that she'll be wearing a red rose, and he holding the book which connected them of human bondage in his hand. Lieutenant Blanford's heart was racing or soaring higher uh, than his plane had ever done as it was getting close to their appointment time. Then a young woman was coming toward him. Her figure was stunningly beautiful. Enchanted with her beauty, he moved closer toward her, forgetting to notice that she was wearing no rose. Going my way, soldier, she murmured, and she walked away fast. Then he found Hollis Maynell, a woman well over 40, her gray hair, graying hair tucked under a worn hat. However, this wrinkly fat lady was wearing that red rose. He was choking by the bitterness of his disappointment. Even though Blanford felt the strong urge to follow the young lady, he saluted this old woman with the rose. Holding the book up, he said, I'm Lieutenant John Blanford, and you must be Miss Maynell. We're so glad we could meet. May I take you for dinner? The woman's face broadened in a tolerant smile. I don't know what this is all about, son, she answered. That young lady in the green suit just passed by. She begged me to wear this rose on my coat. And she said, if you ask me to go out with you, then I should tell you that she's waiting for you in that big restaurant across the street. She said, it was some kind of a test. I've got two boys with Uncle Sam myself, so I, did, I didn't mind to oblige you. Had Lieutenant Blanford forget, had he um, ignored the promise because this old lady, fat lady, was ugly looking and he was disappointed with his, the bitterness in his heart. Oh man, I was hoping this lady would be beautiful lady, but she's old, wrinkly, and gray-haired and fat. 
had he not saluted her, do you think he would have met the woman? No, it was a test. So today we'll talk about a promise. Now, do you keep your promise? Do you sometimes break your promise? Now, the Israelites had made a promise with God. And we can read about that promise in Exodus chapters 20 through 23. And that is called the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant. What is that promise about? That Old Covenant is that they will keep the commandment that God has given them. But did they keep the promise? Did they keep the covenant? No. As a matter of fact, it took, took them only a few days to break that covenant. When, when Moses came down from the mountain, they were already worshiping the idols. And if you read about the Old Testament, the interesting thing about the Old Testament is that in Exodus 24, verse 11, it reads, And God fed them as a part of the covenant tradition. It reads, They saw him, and they ate and drank. So in the Hebrew tradition, when you make a covenant, they make the sign of the contract, and then they will eat together. That seals the covenant. You know, that exact same thing happens with the new covenant. Do you know when that happens? So the new covenant that, that God makes with people is not you keeping the promise anymore. What is the new covenant about? Now it is you believing in Jesus. That's how it changes. Now we'll talk about the new covenant. In Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34, God sends Jeremiah to make the new covenant with his people. And Jeremiah makes that prophecy, and later on it becomes fulfilled when Jesus comes. And Jeremiah 31, 31 says, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write in their hearts. I will be their God, and they'll be my people. You know when this eating happens after the new covenant? Matthew 26, 28, the Bible says, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And Luke 22, verse 20 says, In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So, the last supper that Jesus had, that is the supper of promise, sealing the covenant with his people and God, the new covenant. So the old covenant is about them keeping the, the commandments that God has given them, which they couldn't do. And now the new covenant is that you believe in God and his righteousness becomes my righteousness. That's what happens. So the difference between the Old Testament, Old, old um, Covenant and the New Covenant is that the Old Covenant was written in stone. The New Covenant is written in a heart. So that is the difference. The Old Testament era, B 
people had to keep the commandments of God to be God's people. Whereas in the New Testament era, we believe and we become God's people. Now, this is a sensitive topic because a lot of people believe and they run with this idea and say that, you know what? Yeah, we can believe in Jesus and we become righteous, which is correct. And they go on to say, that's all we have to do. We don't have to keep the commandments anymore because Jesus has won the victory. That's not true. We believe in Jesus and we become righteous. But because the new covenant is written in our law, now we are happy to keep God's commandments. Yes, we fall, but we, God changes us so that we can keep his commandments, not by obligation, but by willingness. That's how it happens. But you know, what happens when we fall? I'm going to read a, a uh, quote from uh, Steps to Christ. If you can go to the next slide, which has the slide. It says, even if we are overcome by the enemy, we are not cast off, not forsaken, and rejected of God. No, Christ is at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Steps to Christ, page 62 to 64. So when we fall, who do we have? We have Jesus the intercessor. Tomorrow is a Super Bowl, and I'm really excited. <laughs> I don't know how many of you, you will be watching the game, but when I first came to the States back in 98, I had no idea about how football was like. I mean, I, I watched soccer, World Cup. Yeah, I'm, I'm from Asia, so I, I watched that. I watched baseball and, like, other, other games, but um, Super Bowl, I was like, what's that? All I could see was that there were just a bunch of people running towards each other and just piling up at each other. I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> but then the more I watched, the more fun it became. And now, well, I can't watch every time. I don't have TV at home or I don't have a cable at home. But when I get a chance, I would love to watch it. And even now, to, to this day, I don't know all the rules, but it's still, it's fun. <laughs> so I do that. But I think we can't, we, there is a point here. The funny thing is that if you have the ball and if you are running, you get attacked, knocked down, pushed away, and tackled. But if you don't have the ball, Nobody cares about you. If you don't have the ball, nobody will push you. Nobody will tackle you. Nobody will attack you. Nothing happens. Only if you have the ball, then the whole team will come to attack you. Your team will come to protect you. That's what happens. So my question is that if you are trying to run with the ball and try to run across to the touchdown line, what will happen to you? What is Satan going to do to you? He's going to do his best to try to stop you, to tackle you, and to attack you. Now, can you run 100 yards to the finish line, to the touchdown line? Can you? Can I? Can we? 
well, I can do all things <laughs> through Christ who strengthens me, yes. But let me read the quote from uh, the next slide. It says, It was possible for Adam before he fell, before he fall, before the fall, to form a righteous character by obedience to God's law. But he failed to do this. And because of his sin, our natures are fallen and we cannot make ourselves righteous. Adam could have. We cannot after the fall. Therefore, who do we have? We have Jesus who has won, who has run, run this race and who has won the victory for us. You know, that's why my sermon title today is called Give Me the Ball. Because we cannot run. I mean, like, there are a lot of people who are good at running. I know people here who are good at sports. Maybe you can run. I certainly cannot. I, I'm not a good runner. <laughs> Maybe you can. Maybe you can try to run. But then it's not just you running. There is the other team trying to stop you all your way. And no matter how good you are, it's, it's very difficult for a, a player to run. Even a yard, 10 yards, 5 yards, it's difficult. But you know, in an NFL history, I looked it up. There is like a historic runs, like the greatest runs in NFL history. And I will mention a few. few. I don't know if you remember this player named, um, named uh, Garrison Hurts back in 1998. He ran... 96 yards to touchdown line. That is still one of the greatest runs. Steve Young, 49 yards, game-winning touchdown at the extension. Um, he ran 49 yards, and he won. And if you watch these games, uh, like the highlights of how they run, it's just amazing. When you get a chance, please do so. Um, and Marshawn Lynch, Back in 2010, with the uh, Seattle Seahawks, he, it's called a beast mode run. He was running, <laughs> and there were a lot of people trying to stop him, but he pushed them through, and he made it to the touchdown line. Or he made it and to that line, and, and just amazing. But, friends, we cannot run the race. But Jesus, he already ran and he already gained the victory. Thing is that he ran and he says, give me the ball. I'm going to run. You don't have to run. I'm going to run. Adam could have run the 100 yards, but after the sin, he cannot do that anymore. And we, can, we now cannot. But when we let him run, then we can win as well. Um, so then, Jesus ran and he won. How can we make his victory mine? That's the question. How can we do that? I know, how many people, how many players are running, uh, playing in a field at a time? In, in, in football. Do you know how many players are running at a time in one team? 11 players are running. So 22 people are running at the same time, two teams, 
running at the same time. But do you know how many people are in the roster? If you go to any NFL team's roster, so 11 people are running at a time, but how many people are in their roster? 53 people, not including the reserve. So how does that work? There are 53 people. So when a game happens, all the team members are there. But how many people are running only? 11 people. So just in case somebody gets hurt, just in case something happens, and you know how like the quarterback will, will take a break and then come back, and they have more people running, but at one time, they can only have 11 people running. Now, question. If one person, one player runs to the touchdown line and they get the score, is that just that one person being happy or the whole team? The whole team is super excited. If that team wins, how many people win? Is that only 11 people? No, the whole team wins. That's what happens. When Jesus wins, he already won. When Jesus wins, running with the ball, then the whole team wins. If we are on his team, then we win too. Now the thing is that are you on Jesus' team or are you on Satan's team? That's the question. Now how can we become his team? By accept, accepting him in our heart. By following him, we become on his side. That's what we need to do. So the next... Um, Now, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and it says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass of the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the, Holy, the Spirit of the Lord. So what happened is this. So there are 11 people running. But there are 53 people, and there are more people. There are managers and team people and whatnot. So I would say there are a lot more than just 53 people. When they practice, they spend time together. They eat together. They joke together. They spend a lot of time together. What do you think will happen to those players when they spend a lot of time practicing, eating, and joking, and just relaxing together? What's going to happen to the team members? They become close. Yes. They spend more time, and they become more like each other. They can now understand the inside jokes. Now, when they can read others' faces and can say, you know what, he's thinking this. So that's what they do. In a team, they spend so much time practicing together, that their face expressions, or maybe a few words, they don't have to communicate in a, like, long meetings because they have spent so much time together. Now that one look can give the other person the clue I'm going to do this, therefore you need to do that. That's called a team play. They can now work together as a team. Now, what's going to happen when we are on Jesus' side and we spend more time and more time and more time seeing Jesus, talking with Jesus, and spending time with him? What's going to happen to us? We become more like him. That's the new covenant. And I will read 
the next um, quote says, He lived a sinless life. He died for us. And now he offers to take our sins and give us his righteousness. If you give yourself to him and accept him as your savior, then sinful as your life may have been for his sake, you are accounted righteous. Christ's character stands in place of your character and you are accepted before God just as if you had not sinned. Do you want this to happen to you, to, to you? Do you want this to be your story? Give him the ball. Let him run and be on his team. That's all we have to do. That's the new covenant, friend. That is the new covenant. A friend of mine had a junky car. How many of you had a car that breaks down all the time? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, I love his expression of how he was saying. He said he bought an old car. This car had a problem of smoking and drinking. <laughs> so this car would smoke, smoke, <laughs> and it would drink oil. <laughs> and he would try to fix it. He would take it to a mechanic, fix it, and it runs for another week. But then a week later, a month later, Something goes wrong again. There is a check engine light on. And like, you try to start the car, like, eh, 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 it doesn't turn. <laughs> you, you have to tow it and take it to the mechanic again. Fix it again. And then it works okay for a, a few months, but then later on it breaks down again. And it happens over and over and over again. It, he gets sick of it, like, oh man, I need to do something. And then eventually he saves up money and so like he went, took it to a mechanic and he like, Fixed everything. He like he changed out the battery, changed out the belt, changed out like all everything he could inside the car, and he even painted the car. The car looks brand new, like shining. It looks awesome. But then, sometime later, six months later, the car broke down again. It stopped on the road. He's like, ah, oh, again. Now he got rid of the old car. He bought a brand new car. Man, can you imagine what a difference that makes? The New Testament or the New Covenant commitment or the, the covenant is not about fixing old self. It's not about, okay, well, our character is so bad. We need to fix this. We need to fix that. You know, because you get angry so much, maybe you need to change a little bit of that and then fix something. It's not about fixing. What does the Bible say? It's giving us a complete new heart. Just like getting a brand new car. You don't have to worry about it breaking down again because it's a brand new car. That's what God gives us, a new heart. Now, how can we get that new heart? When we accept Jesus in our heart. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. Because in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you and I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Do you want this in your heart? All we have to do is to accept Jesus in our heart. Yes, we may fall, but we have the intercessor, Jesus, 
interceding on our behalf. Well, yeah, we don't want to do this until Jesus comes. We want to behold him like in the locker room, in a practice field. We want to be with him, spend more time with him. And the more time we spend with Jesus, we become like Jesus. And you know, friends, some people say, you know what? I'm already, already holy. I don't sin anymore. There are some people who are like that. I'm pretty sure because Holy Spirit is working in their hearts. People who are becoming more and more like Jesus and they don't sin anymore. I'm sure there are people like that in this world, in this era right now. But if there's anyone saying that, you know what? Now, because I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying, now I'm holy. I don't sin. As much as I believe that there are people like that, if they are saying that with their own mouth, I will probably say that the person is far away from perfection. Because the closer you go to Jesus, who do you see? You see Jesus' beautiful, perfect character. And you say, I am such a sinful person. I have a long way to go. And you are working. You're working on your way. You're trying to spend more time. It's not you are trying to spend more time with Jesus. It's not like you're trying to fix your character. Don't get me wrong. But God has given us a new heart. Heart transplant. A new heart. And now we have a new heart. Yes, we fall. But we can get back up. Because a righteous person falls how many times? Seven times. But he gets back up the eighth time. So friends... May God give us a new heart. May we be on his team so his victory can be my victory. And that is the new covenant. Do you want to experience the new covenant, the new heart, so that our stony heart is removed and God gives us a new heart of flesh and we become the winners? Do you want to experience that? Do you want Jesus to help you so that we can become more like him in his character. Be fascinated by his beauty and his character and follow him and behold him. As long as you fix your eyes on Jesus, that's all it matters. You don't have to worry about how bad your character is right now. If you fix your eyes on Jesus, he's going to complete the work. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Trust in Jesus and fix your eyes on Jesus. He already ran the race and he won. And that victory can be ours. How many of you want to be on Jesus' team? May God bless us as we give our heart to Jesus and let him work in us. Change your heart. Give us a new heart and work with us. And when we fall, remember that we can get back up because Jesus is interceding for us. But that time is going to come to an end very soon. He's going to come out of the most holy place. And that time is coming very fast. And I pray that you would go to Jesus today and pray to God to give your heart to Jesus one more time so he can give us the new heart. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, you are calling us to give our heart to you so you can take away our stony heart and give us a new heart of flesh. And in that heart, you are going to write the new covenant 
so that your victory can be our victory. Help us to be on your team because we cannot win this race. We cannot win this game. But Lord, you have won. Help us to be on your team. Help us to win the victory. Help us to fix our eyes on you because you have the perfect character. Bless everyone, especially the ones that had their hands raised. Please give them, give all of us a new heart so that we could go home and be with you. Bless us, Lord. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, please come on up.